Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, August 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. yield curve inverts again, this time after hawkish commentary from Fed officials. Early backers of Facebook's digital currency are looking to distance themselves from the venture. And Brazil's environment minister says that monetizing the Amazon rainforest will stop illegal logging. Plus, the FT's Victor Mallet previews what might come out of this weekend's G7 summit. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. For the third time this month, in what is regarded as the harbinger of a recession, the yield on the two-year Treasury bill at one point jumped above that of the benchmark 10-year note on Thursday. The latest inversion of the U.S. yield curve highlighted fears among bond market investors the Federal Reserve won't cut its benchmark rate, at least not fast enough to shield the U.S. economy from slowing global growth. The inversion of the yield curve has occurred before every U.S. recession of the past 50 years. The move came as Fed officials joined the world's central bankers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for the annual meeting of monetary policymakers. And the presidents of the Kansas City and Philadelphia Fed on Thursday said they didn't see much of a reason for additional interest rate cuts. The central bank cut interest rates by a quarter point in July. U.S. stocks were mixed on Thursday as concerns over economic growth loom. The S&P 500 ticked 0.1% lower after drifting between gains and losses. The Nasdaq Composite was down 0.4%, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 0.2% on a rally in Boeing shares. By the end of the day, the yield curve had flattened again, with the two-year note trading at a yield of 1.61%. All eyes will be on Fed Chair Jerome Powell when he gives the keynote speech at Jackson Hole today. Early backers of Facebook's Libra have been spooked. The digital currency project is facing mounting regulatory concerns. Earlier this month, data officials in five countries flagged privacy risks. And this week, it emerged that it was under early scrutiny from EU antitrust regulators. This has all become a concern to the project's founding bankers. The 28 members of the Libra Association made a non-binding pledge to invest at least $10 million in the project. Some of these members include Visa, Uber, Spotify, and the Facebook subsidiary Calibra. Now, at least three members are privately discussing how to distance themselves from the digital coin. While tensions grow between Facebook and its partners, regulators are expected to continue to scrutinize the Libra proposals. The proposed currency has prompted a fierce backlash from global watchdogs and politicians on fears about the risks of money laundering, tax evasion, and disruption to wider financial stability. And Brazil's environment minister has a solution to illegal logging and devastation in the Amazon rainforest. Monetize it. In an interview with the Financial Times, Ricardo Silas said that the laws of the last 20 years were too restrictive to the development of Amazon areas, and blamed the laws for illegal activities. Mr. Silas proposed zoning regulation for the Amazon, saying, quote, We want to show that if investments come and if we distribute those investments to the people who live there, they will keep the rainforest, unquote, and not engage in illegal mining or logging. Critics argue his pledges would embolden loggers, wildcat miners, and rangers keen to profit from deforestation, which has accelerated this year under Brazil's nationalist president, Jair Bolsonaro. 
On Thursday, Mr. Bolsonaro said his government lacked the resources to fight and investigate wildfires in the Amazon. Satellite images show that swaths of the rainforest are burning at an unprecedented rate. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. This weekend, leaders of the world's biggest democracies will meet in Biarritz, France, for the G7 summit. It's an opportunity for the United States, Italy, Germany, Japan, Canada, France, and the United Kingdom to gather and brainstorm solutions to ongoing problems. So there's a whole range of very disparate issues, and a lot of them are very tense at the moment and very difficult to deal with. That's the FT's Victor Mallet, who's covering the summit for the FT. Some of the issues the countries face include climate change, the Iran nuclear deal, disagreements on how U.S. tech companies should be taxed in France, and global trade. But first, let's talk Brexit. I think that the Brexit issue at the moment, in a way, is fairly straightforward. Britain is due to leave on October the 31st. Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, says he's prepared to leave without a deal if necessary, but he would like a deal. The Europeans say they also want there to be a deal, but it pretty much has to be the deal that they negotiated over two and a half years with Theresa May's government. And there have been a few sort of flickers of hope on the horizon where both Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, and Macron in France have said, look, they're prepared to give Boris Johnson 30 days or a month or so to come up with some kind of solution as to how he thinks this thing can be made to work. The problem essentially is that he has said he does not want the so-called Irish backstop, and the others say it has to be in the deal. Victor, right now the U.S. is at the center of tense relations with Iran that affect its broader relationships with a lot of its allies. How might that play out at the G7? Yeah, this is a very, very thorny issue, the issue of Iran. Essentially, what happened was that the U.S. withdrew from the uh, the Iran nuclear deal, which restricts Iranian nuclear development, in exchange for which the Western powers or the signatories, including the U.S. and the Europeans, would agree to reduce sanctions against Iran and allow the economy to operate in the international arena. Now, Trump has pulled out of that agreement, and the Iranians have said, well, if Trump is pulling out of the agreement and you know he's imposing maximum pressure on us in the form of sanctions, we're going to pull out as well, and we're going to start enriching uranium to a higher degree than is allowed under the agreement, and therefore we will also gradually withdraw from the agreement unless the US backs down or unless the Europeans are able to provide us with some kind of alternative way of uh, exporting our oil and making our economy survive. So you have a deadlock there. The Europeans are desperate to persuade the Americans that they've made a mistake, uh, but there's no sign that Trump is prepared to back down on this. This year's G7 follows a tense moment between Mr. Trump and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau last year. President Macron has abandoned the tradition of a joint communique. Will these leaders get along this weekend? I mean, the background to all this, I think, is quite important to bear in mind is that the Western democracies or the democracies, if you include Japan, are very much on the defensive. You know, their sort of worldview is being strongly challenged by a resurgent authoritarian China and by an authoritarian Russia and by rising powers elsewhere that are not adopting the kind of playbook of a liberal open economy or necessarily a liberal open political system. And and this is a big challenge. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, he was talking about a profound crisis of democracy uh, when I heard him speak 
at a conference that he held. The problem that Macron sees, and I think other leaders also see, is that these democracies are not sticking together, standing up for what they believe in, not standing up for multilateralism. They're actually engaged in quite a lot of disputes between each other. So, And Trump is often at the center of these disputes. In the case of France, for example, you know, Trump is angry about this tax on the big tech companies. Uh, Italy and France are at loggerheads because Italy has had and may have again a nationalist right-wing government that the French uh, liberal government does not like. You know, so you've got a whole range of reasons why the Western democracies are not sticking together, standing up for what you might describe as democratic or liberal political values. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our intern is Eileen Rodriguez. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also got help this week from Gavin Kalman and Michael Bruning. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.